calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Keegan, I'm so glad to have you back. (laughs) I'm glad to be back. I'm very tired. I got off a plane a few hours ago. I couldn't do it. I'm a wreck when I'm traveling. I mean... It was okay. It's only like uh, about like a three hour, three and a half hour. But it's the whole process of everything that just wears me out. I'm not a person who can just hop off a plane and like go do the day. I mean, usually I am. I just think I had like a really long week. Yeah. You know, because it you was like... You had to jam a lot into a week. Yeah. It was a lot of family events. And then this plane ride was like, I was in a middle seat, which is never fun. No. And I was between like a dude next to me in camo who was, like, man-spreading. And then an old lady sat down next to me and, like, put her arms on both armrests, Mm. which I was just, like... So you're literally just, like, squeezing together. Yes, yes. So I ordered a Bloody Mary. Of course, you have to. A double Bloody Mary and just... It does not matter what time of the day that I am flying, I'm ordering alcohol. Because you're in the air! And a Bloody Mary, I don't know, like... There's something about, like, that drink in particular that, for me, on planes is good, you know? I like a white wine on planes. Okay, okay. But, even as an adult, no matter what, I have to get apple juice on airplanes. That's funny. Apple juice on airplanes is amazing. I I haven't had apple juice in so long. I don't drink apple juice unless I'm on planes, really. That's so funny. since I was, like, a baby, like, I need to have, like, I'll have my white wine and my apple juice. (laughs) It's quite a combination. Oh, my gosh. It's great. So, Keegan got something horrible for us to yes. start. Yes, I mean, and this is a couple of weeks old, but, you know, our recording schedule has been pretty wonky yeah. for this month, so uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I had saved it in my things Good. of things to talk about. Yes. Um, so, earlier, not this month, because we are in August, hi, but Hello, last August. month, <laughs> last month in July... Sadie Roberts Joseph, who's the founder of the African American Museum, was found dead in the trunk of her car. Oh my gosh. And thus far, we still don't know who did it. You know There's no evidence of any kind that was like left 
I mean, height. I don't know. I, I don't think that the police have released that information right. as of it's yet. It's probably still, like, in the process. Of right, yeah. So she uh, was a 75-year-old woman oh. from Louisiana, and she had founded an American, an African-American history museum uh, there in Louisiana, and police and investigators are still working to find out who was responsible for that. I don't even know what the cause of death was. Like, I don't even know if they've released that information. Yeah, I'm or... sure everything is very confidential right now until they have all of their tests done mm-hmm. and complete, and then hopefully, you know, this can stay in the media long enough for more information to yes. kind of come out. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they're going to do everything that they can, um, yeah. because she was such a well-known figure in that area. Um, yeah. She also organized, in addition to, like, having founded this African-American museum, she also organized an annual Juneteenth festival at the museum, Every um, every year. That's amazing. Which was really, really cool. And, yeah, she was just, like, a really great lady who really, like, helped her community and focused a whole lot on, like, education and, like, mm-hmm. education of African Americans and making sure that people really, like, knew and understood that. So mm-hmm. it was such a blow to that community. Yeah. Um, whenever she was murdered. And, you know... I found in the trunk of her car. In the it's trunk just, of her own car. 75. 75. It's, mm-hmm. it's disgusting. So two days ago... A bunch of students in her parish in Louisiana, Uh they engraved a bunch, like, 200 backpacks with her name, and, like, each backpack also contained, like, um, her biography, and they distributed them to, like, children who needed backpacks for school. So, in her honor, which is really, really lovely. That is a beautiful gesture. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, and, you know, because she's focused so much of her life on, like, education and helping yeah. her community. Yeah. To, that's think, really to lovely. think of something like that, I think, is really cool. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Yeah, so if we ever hear more about what happened, yeah. you know, that's something that we can definitely share. Yeah, that is horrifying. Sad. It's very sad, but it, it, to me, the ending of that with the students she left behind. Right, um, her legacy. Continuing her legacy, yeah. I think, is something really beautiful. I mean, it's awful when good things have to come out of horrible situations, but the fact that her death didn't stop her movement, I think, is always something that, like, when I think about when my time comes, like, what am I going to leave behind? What's the, like, even if it's the smallest legacy, I I want to leave something behind. So the fact that these people are actually taking the things that she did in life Mm -hmm. and perpetuating that into the future, I think, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I know that they held a lot of services for her at, like, several different, like, African-American churches throughout Louisiana. Um, A lot of vigils were held in her honor, so she was definitely a very well-loved person. Wow. Yeah. That's so sad. It is. Huh. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the debate. Okay. We had round two of the debates. And ding, I ding, will ding. say, because I had been out of town for the whole week, I did not watch the debates in their entirety, the first and second nights. <laughs> but I did watch portions of them, and I've read several articles about what took place yeah. um, during the debate. So yes. we can chat a little bit let's, about that. Let's chat a little bit. Um, I want to talk about Joe Biden. Oh, dear. Because he, this guy is coming under fire a lot. But, but you know what's weird is that most articles I read said that, you know, like, oh, he was a little unsteady on his feet, but ultimately it's a win for him. And I was like... Yeah, I've seen that, too. In what I've seen of the debates, like, doesn't granted... It doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. Like, I have not seen them in their entirety, but 
or that night in its entirety, but he looked not good to me. And maybe they're just talking about, like, comparatively to the first round of debates. Maybe. I don't know. But to me, it seems very, like... I mean, people are... Everyone else is coming down hard on him. It seems like he is not retorting very well. It seems like... Oh, no, no. He is not good. Yeah, he's not... I don't know. He's not good at being on the defensive. Like, whenever he's just answering questions that are asked to him, he seems okay. But he's really not... He's very unsteady on his feet anytime. He's very defensive as well. He is, which is probably a result from the first night whenever Kamala Harris, uh, like, took him to task. Yeah. And I think he realized in that moment, like, oh shit, like, people are going to. Come at criticize me. me. Well, and yeah, because he was kind of, you know, we talked about how beloved he was when he was vice president. Right. I think he kind of thought that, like... He could skate on that. He could skate on it and that, you know, he's he was Obama's VP. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot coming with him. Um, a quote that he said during the debate, he said, everyone is talking about how terrible I am on these issues. Barack Obama knew exactly who I was. Okay. It's Stop it. A, it's such a name drop statement where it's like, well, Obama knew, and Obama yeah, we, was fine with we me. We know he exactly what you're doing, and yeah. I think Cory Booker even called him on that. He like, did. I have something written here somewhere. He says that bringing up Obama is like his centralizing factor in his campaign. That's mm-hmm. like all he really does. And he has a great quote where he says, you invoke President Obama more than anyone in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient and dodge it when it's not. And right. I think that brings up a really good point because there were questions that were asked of him about advice he gave Obama during certain instances, like mm-hmm. um, about like deportation and things like that, where he was like, I can't disclose the advice that I gave to President Obama. Right. And he would but distance himself from those policies as if he wasn't like central to those. Yeah. But when but then, it's convenient for his image. Yes. He would talk about them and bring them up and talk about him and Obama and the whole thing. So he had a really weird, you know situation going on and they and they really I mean the other candidates brought up a lot of stuff that he did that was not great yes um Cory Booker really talked a lot I mean it was a win for Booker last night I've always been kind of like meh about Cory Booker but I mean not last night I guess but whenever um he debated it was Monday right it was it was Tuesday it was Tuesday because it was the same night as the finale of The Bachelorette. Tuesday and Wednesday, because there was yeah. two nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Cory Booker, he, he's never really impressed me, but whenever he debated, he actually did impress me this last time. Yeah. Because he seemed way more solid on his feet, and he did criticize Biden about his um, criminal, criminal reform. Criminal justice, yeah. And also, he uh, critiqued... Bill de Blasio for not firing the police officer who killed Eric, Eric Garner. Garner. Yes, he did. Yeah, I think that those are like two really great things to bring he up. He really that leaned put you into ahead. his strong, like you know, like that's Cory Booker's like strong suit. Yeah. you know, his criminal justice reform. It's what he spent a lot of his career um, doing and talking about. So it so was he's gonna shine. smart for him to do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing about Biden is, I think a big part of it is I really felt in watching him. That he was 76 years old. Yeah. You know, like, because that's yeah. what it looked like. It looked I like mean, a 76-year-old man who cannot, he fumbled over his words a lot. He yeah. paused a lot. He was the only, he's honestly the only candidate I've ever seen in a debate who, when the moderators are like, your time's up, just stops talking. Yeah. Because usually they'll try and finish their thought. Yeah, exactly. And he just won't. Like, yeah. he just stops. He's like, okay. Yeah, and it was interesting to me, too, how he, it seemed like he was almost trying to stay 
relevant and like modern in his mm-hmm. politics when he was talking about like uh Gillibrand asked him about an op-ed he did where he had written um opposing the child care tax credit and then so he brings up his role in the violence against women act mm-hmm. you know what I mean but like look I'm for equal pay and yeah I'm like I do this. this thing he pivots exactly. a lot he pivots and he and I feel like that's such a hot button issue with a lot of people when you talk about like the violence against women act mm-hmm. where he's like let me throw that in there because that's going to sound really, like, good to me. Right, yes. And because everyone knows what that is or, like, can infer what that is based on what it, you know. Yeah. So it makes him look good in that way. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's... I would have liked to have seen him in a debate with Sanders and Warren. I would have liked to have seen them debate each other. Yeah. Because I'm really starting to believe that those are the ones that we're going to be seeing more of. I think so. Um, But but they have to, like, narrow it. You know what I mean? They have to show us everybody. You know what I mean? Kamala Harris, I mean, after the last debate, was doing really, really good. So she came in, I think, with, like a lot of positivity yes, and a lot of yeah. good, good she, feelings. She had lost a few, like, after the last debate, she'd gone yeah. way up in, in numbers, uh, in points. She had lost a couple of points before this debate, but still, all in yeah. all, I mean, pretty they, good. But and, they did bring up the Attorney General stuff. Right. And she had gone in, yes, it, it felt to me like she went into this debate feeling pretty confident. Yeah. And then got kind of rocked, because her, you know, we kind of touched on it, we've touched on it in past episodes, that her history with criminal reform is not good. I mean, she actively tried to keep people who were innocent in prison, you know, and like... I mean, Gabbard pointed out that Harris had put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana, Mm -hmm. and then when Harris was asked if she'd ever smoked marijuana, she laughed. I don't think that was at the debate. I think that was, like, another time. But, like, when asked if she'd ever smoked, she, like, laughed. And, like, that's just, like, that's not cute. Right, it's not cute, because there are people in prison because of this, you know what I mean? And there have been really good articles written about... I'm sure that fine line that she felt she needed to walk. Yeah. Um, being a woman of color in a traditionally very male-dominated field where right. you needed people to respect you, um, but at the expense of a communities of color, really, is, like, what happened there. And yeah. um, she was not good at, whenever she was doing that job, like, she was not good at um, making sure that police officers were punished yeah. whenever they used overt force against people. So, yeah. I mean, all of that is stuff that she's really going to need to f- come up with a... With legitimate answers With for. legitimate answers for, and honestly, probably she's just going to have to apologize and yeah. try and fix it. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, that was something that Pete Buttigieg did really well, where he apologized yeah. for, you know, not having action sooner when right. the when the police in his, you know, area mm-hmm. were You have to take responsibility things. for that. Exactly. Um, there was some interesting healthcare stuff, especially uh, I have written between Biden and Harris, where Biden wants to do this, like, Obamacare 2.0 kind of mm-hmm. plan. And then Kamala Harris is talking about this Medicare for All plan, where in the case, in the course of over t- in 10 years, Americans will be enrolled in a program paid for by the federal government. And then Biden brings up the deductible and says, anytime someone tells you you're going to get something good in 10 years, you should wonder why it's going to take 10 years, which I think even if Kamala Harris's plan, like in the long run, is going to be a really good thing, like that plants a lot of doubt. When well, he says I mean, like that. it's a hard it's a hard thing because, yes, it does. However, 
to completely restructure our entire healthcare system mm-hmm. is going to take a long time. Like, you know, exactly. it, it is. So it's kind of hard to judge that on but the I surface. Think, and I think a lot of people, though, who maybe don't have a lot of knowledge about that kind of stuff, yeah. though, will hear what he said if they were watching the debate and be kind of like, ooh, he for brings sure. up a point. Yeah, you know? for sure. Well, um, and a lot of people are in a, such a situation right now with their healthcare that they need changes to happen more quickly now. than that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, the biggest thing that I took away from a lot of the articles that I was reading is, like, why why are they so focused on putting each other down at this point rather than talking about how they're going to take down Donald Trump? Although, Kirsten Gillibrand did say that her first active president would be to Clorox the Oval Office, I know. Which I, I, love. I think that's hilarious. I that know. is, like, level 100 shade. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I feel mean, like at this... I feel like the point to start... Yes, there should be some attacks between the Democratic candidates because that's you have to do it. Like that's part of narrowing well, it it's, down. It's debating, you know. It's like, debating, but I also like I want to hear when they're talking about their plans for change. I I want to hear yes, what are you going to do once you're president? But I I'll, right now I really want to hear what are you going to do to take this man down. Well, but I don't know how you would articulate that. You know what I mean? Because to me, for me, hearing what you're going to do as president, for me, like as a Democratic voter, is kind of how you're going to take that guy down. You know what I mean? Because I don't know how you would practically do that right now. Like, the only way to take him down is to get elected. I mean, right. But I feel like for me, and I don't know if this is, like, the correct thing to do in these situations, I just wish that, that it was almost like, I feel like... By bringing up Donald Trump and talking about wanting to make change, like I feel like mentioning his name and com- and making comparisons and saying how I'm going to fix what he's destroyed X Y Z and go down the list and what they're talking about it is they are talking about how they're going to fix a lot of those things. But I feel like to kind of get the national uproar of like, yeah, we really need to do something about you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, sense? no, no, no. You are making sense. I think I'm just of two minds about it because part of me feels like I don't want to bring him up all the time because I feel like we talked about him too much in 2016 and it was part of the problem you know and we don't want to give his base any reason to feel like well President Trump is being attacked so we need to like push back you know and become more active yeah you know I don't know I don't know what the answer is I think it's a really good point but I did love that Elizabeth Warren did say um, at one point, I don't remember who was talking, somebody who's not going to be in the race for much longer, I'm sure. But um, he was saying that, I mean, he was basically like elaborating on all the stuff that doesn't make sense or isn't practical to do or whatever. And Warren had this great quote where she was like, I don't understand why you would go through the time and energy that it takes to run for president just to come over here and talk to us about what you can't do. Mm. You know, and I was just like, sick burn, you know, but. I I do feel like that. I feel like, you know, focus on your policies, focus on like what you can do, focus on how we are going to undo all of this shit that like has been done over the last four years. Yeah. Um, And I think someone else also said, I can't remember who said it, but somebody else also said like the person who's um, really enjoying themselves right now is is Donald Trump watching us all fight each other, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that's, I feel like what... A lot of it came to you because, like, there you do have to debate each other. That's the whole point. But like, 
I feel like as long as the priority stays in working together to get a good Democratic candidate, that that's what everybody should have in mind. Yes, you want to be the president. You want to be that Democratic candidate. That's your goal. I get it. But I think that I think it was Bernie Sanders who said this. We're like, we need to support our fellow Democratic candidates mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that the best person for right. the job, even if it's not you, is going to get and, the job And Warren done. said something similar after the debates. I think it was Anderson Cooper tried to get her to like say something about Biden. Yeah. And Warren was like, I'm not the person for that job. I'm not the person who, like, I'm not going to tear other Democrats down. Yeah, I won't girl. do it. So I think yeah. that that's the right mentality to have. I agree. You know, and it's that like, makes you look real good when you do that. Yes, you know? absolutely. I'm, I'm, I love her. Yeah. Like, I am I'm really starting to loving really, her. really like her, too. One more quick thing that I found really fascinating about the debates coming up on September 12th and 13th. There may be much fewer candidates... Yes, they're making cuts. They're making cuts because candidates will need 130,000 unique donors and register at least 2% support in four polls. So seven have already met the qualifications, and that is Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. And there are a few that are, like, right on the cusp of that. Mm -hmm. But when I look at this list, to me, that's, like, the main party right now. Yes. You know I, mean, I mean, I think Beto's not going to go much longer. I know. Uh, I love him, but I don't think he will. I love him. I, I don't love him as president. You know, if somebody wanted to pick him for their advice, I yeah. think that that could work. I think that would be amazing, um, actually. If it was, like, Warren and... And Beto? Yeah. yeah I, I could see that, that actually. I think that that would be good. I, I think he could be a good advice. I do not see him being a president, at least not right now. Yeah. Um, But the others, uh, Biden, Booker, Buttigieg, Harris, Sanders, and Warren... Yes, with like maybe Julian Castro might be a dark horse. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of other people who kind of were creeping up. Yeah. Where no. I was like, because uh, Julian Castro has consistently performed well, he's just not polling super well. So. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we have one more thing. I'm going to end this episode on a happy note. Um, we made a post on Wednesday, I believe it was, about Ethiopia planting more than 350 million trees in 12 hours. What, what? I wanted to um, elaborate on that Please a little do. bit. Please do. So this is part of a reforestation campaign called Green Legacy, spearheaded by their prime minister, Abiy Ahmed. Millions of people planted trees to reach their goal of 300 million. That was their goal, was 300 million. And within the first... 12 hours, they had already planted 150 million trees. Wow. It's insane. So the the record before this was actually in 2017 in India, where they set the world record of 1.5 million volunteers who planted 66 million trees in 12 hours. 66 million to 353, I believe, mm-hmm. was the final count, mm-hmm. is insane. insane. So this campaign that they're calling the Green Legacy will help farmers out of poverty. Right now, 80% of Ethiopia's population depends on agriculture as their livelihood, and it will help the effects of climate change. Uh, Studies show that restoring the world's lost forests could remove two-thirds of all the planet-warming carbon and could capture about 150 billion tons of carbon in total. And global carbon emissions are around 150 billion tons per year. So if all of this could... this um, restoration of the forest that this could continue it could combat the uh the carbon that we're putting mm-hmm, out into the mm-hmm. world it's just it's such a cool thing there's been some weird comments in our 
post about I, <laughs> I don't really read there's them. always weird comments I don't really read them anymore honestly I feel but, like people just like to be contrarian yeah, honestly and they, they want to talk about like well who gave them the money for that and who did that and it's like that who did it doesn't matter it who does not did matter. the work they like, did the work they had millions of volunteers plant 350 million trees and I just I, I hate when people feel the need to pivot the conversation like that can be a separate conversation yeah. sure but why does that why is that where you go right away it, it's it's a thing it, you know it could be where they're from it could be a place they're connected to and they want to get the credit because they feel like they're not receiving the credit that they deserve. But honestly... Well, yes, listen, you, Trevor, or whoever the fuck you are on our <laughs> Trev- Instagram... Trevor is I, the name of I looked at him. My he, kid's he, he looks like a Trevor, um, you know, but not all Trevors, sorry. Not to shade... The goldfish? The goldfish. Um, but sorry that, like, you personally are not getting the credit you think you yeah. deserve. Like, you didn't do shit anyway, Get out of my mentions. Plant a tree. If you're so pissed, go out and plant a fucking tree. Honestly. The end. You can put your own little private plaque planted by Trevor. Yep. Jesus. That's what I want when I die. I want my ashes to be put into, like, the soil Yes, of that's tree. what I wanted, too. You know, yeah, they make those little pods. Yes. Yeah. And then you put them in the ground, and the tree grows. But I, I would like, you know, some sort of plaque so people, so like, people don't know. chop down yeah. the fucking tree. And I would really only want to do that if, like, my family had a property that was going to, like, stay in the family. Like, you know? I mean, I think what I would want to do is I would want to plant it um, at my cabin, and my family doesn't have any place up there anymore but like a lot of the families it's been passed down uh-huh. and I think that as long as there's a plaque there like yeah. that's where I would want yeah. it to be I hear you uh, that 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 is absolutely what I've been wanting to do and too. then I'm making necklaces for everybody with my ashes <laughs> I don't know that crosses the line, crosses um, the line. yeah I don't know I'm weird about like that shit like there's so much of that stuff where it's like oh this is a ring made of teeth or like I saw somebody oh, I think that shit is so cool oh god it's so weird I love tooth rings I saw someone I who, wish I still had my wisdom teeth so I could do it apparently it's a new thing making like jewelry out of your breast milk and I'm like I don't that's really cool I don't like that I like the ashes thing I like the tooth thing I like the breast milk thing I'm here for it oh god I'm not I have my dog buddy's ashes in my apartment and I don't know when, how this was brought up, but I mentioned it to Max and he didn't know. And he's like, is that why Penny barks all the time? Is that like, do you think Buddy's haunting the place? And uh, I'm like, we have Achilles uh, no. ashes. We have our dog's Aww, ashes. Achilles. Yeah. What a sweet old lady. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we, we are done with our mini episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, 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 um, if you have any sister solidarity stories, if you have any comments about today's episode, if you have any episode suggestions, anything that you want to send our way, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. If you don't already follow us on Instagram, that would be really, really weird. I feel like everybody who listens <laughs> probably follows on Instagram if they have one. Yeah. Uh, if so, not, you're missing out. I mean, not, you're missing out on all the Trevor comments. All the Trevor comments. There's so many Trevors in the world <laughs> that you can go in. No, don't. Don't get involved in the comments. It's not worth your time. It really Anyways, isn't. It's an energy waster. It really is. It's just going to make you mad. But, um... Go ahead and follow us anyways at Angry Neighborhood Feminist on Instagram. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and uh, leave us a review on that business page. We love it so much and give us five whole stars. And we really, really love it when you leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you're not already listening to us on Radio Public, go ahead and listen to us there. 
it is free for you and it helps us out a little bit. And can I plug myself real quick? Yes. I am actually on today's episode of Keep It Weird. Hey. I was on last week's episode as well where Ashley's wonderful boyfriend Joe was talking about all the science behind time travel. I think it was just his birthday, so happy birthday, Joe. Yeah, happy birthday, Joe. Um, I think it might be today, actually. And um, then Ashley talks about the paradoxes of time travel, and then I tell some real time travel stories, question mark, question mark. And it was super fun. Those girls are amazing. Joe is amazing. I had so much fun doing it. We really want to have Ashley on our show soon. We talked about the different episodes we could do with her. Go give them support as well. Check it out if you want to hear more of my voice today. <laughs> Go do it. it. Go do it. We talk about cheese sticks, and I don't know oh. how we got there. Okay. Cheese sticks. So I hope that's appealing to you guys. Yeah. Get in there. I mean, <laughs> dicks made out of cheese. Why not? All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. That's all we have for today. With all that being said, we encourage you. Hooray, John. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.